0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1 through 20, the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, the Gospel according to John, chapter 21, verse 1 through 19, and Psalm 30. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, throughout Easter, we're gonna be continuing to look and specifically focus on the readings from the book of Acts. And today is a particularly exciting day in the book of Acts. This is a very dramatic story of Saul's conversion. We all know Saul better as Paul, uh, who becomes sort of, uh, you know, the, one of the most formative people in uh, Christian history, the one who helps spread the gospel and create churches all over the Roman Empire and spreads this beyond uh, into the Gentile lands and, and all of this. Um, uh, so what we have here really he's, is sort of like his superhero origin story right? If Peter Parker was bit by a radioactive spider and became Spider-Man you don't like this? I love this. This is good. If Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider and becomes Spider-Man or Kal-El gets sent down to Earth and becomes Superman Saul is breathing violent threats against the Israelites and the, the, specifically the Christian Israelites, the people who've become followers of Jesus and he's, he's breathing threats against them and he's enacting violence upon them and marginalizing oppressing and persecuting them and then a great voice from heaven and a bright light shines down and knocks Him off his horse and blinds him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he goes off and he rests in someone's house and then gets incorporated into the way, into this group of followers, into the Christian family, and becomes Paul and gets his eyesight again and becomes this great superhero of the Christian faith. This is a a great story, and it almost helps me like the book of Acts. I almost like Acts now. I have, I'm, I've got to be honest with you, Acts is one of my least favorite books in the Bible. You should gasp at that. It's horrifying that a priest would say that. But here we are. Um, I, it's supposed to be one of the books in the Old Testament, right? Like, we're doing a whole six month study on the book of Numbers, which uh, that should be my least, least favorite book or something like that. It's much less exciting, right? But Acts, Acts drives me crazy. It's beautifully written, by the way. Beautifully written. It's a great book. But Acts tells all of these stories about the first Christians in the aftermath of Jesus' ascension into heaven. So Jesus dies, he's raised up, he hangs out for a little bit, has some fish, as we saw today, gives some people some pep talks and some good words, makes sure people know the resurrection is real, and then heads back up into heaven, and here we are left with, you know, each other. And then the story in Acts is the story of the first Christians being together. And the reason that it drives me nuts, one is it goes so well all the time it's just annoying they're doing so, these people are doing miraculous things and amazing powerful works and acts and and and, and, then, and that's what leads me to the second reason i have such a problem with the book of acts it's that whenever christians want to talk about how the church should be they always go back to the good old days and the good old days are either whenever we were growing up right those were the good old days or the book of acts Christians love to say if the church was just more like it was in the first century. I had a, a great teacher who once said, um, there, there's no such thing as the good old days and there never were. You go back to the good old days and you know what you'll meet? A bunch of people who are wishing it was the good old days. And you go back to their good old days and you'll meet a bunch more people who are wishing that it was the good old days. The good old days is all about us not knowing how to deal with what is right here and now and wishing it could be different, wishing it could be like my idealized memory of the past when things were easier. They weren't easier, but I don't have to deal with it anymore, so I pretend it was easier. This is what Christians do with the book of Acts. So our decision to study this book throughout Easter season is actually more of us sort of sitting with these stories that make us think it was supposed to, it's supposed to be better than it was so we can actually locate ourselves in those places. This story we hear today is awesome, but it is another story in which we go, why isn't it like that? How many of you were knocked off your horse, blinded, and, t- and spoken to directly by Jesus? Jesus. And then had a bunch of people show besides Ellie, good work, I'm glad somebody, good, we got one, we'll take one, this is good, this is good. But by and large, most of us don't understand our faith lives like that. That's not how we experience it. There's another part of the book of Acts that bothers me, but it's okay in this reading today, today I like it. But normally I, the book of Acts bothers me because I like stories about Jesus And this is a whole book that's not about Jesus. It's about a bunch of people like me. I don't want to read about people like me. I want to read about Jesus. So I like the story today because Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and transforms Saul to Paul. That makes me happy. I like that. But again, we look for these radical experiences this radical moment of blinding light and knocking off your horse and, and being hearing a voice from above. And when we don't experience things like that, we wonder if our experience of God is real. Or we look at people like Saul, who goes from being the worst enemy of Christianity to the greatest hero of Christianity, and we think, Well, I'm not that bad. It's a little dramatic, isn't it? What blows me away about this story is not that Saul goes from being the worst to being the best. And it's not that Saul is miraculously knocked off his horse and blinded by the light. And it's not even that Jesus speaks. What is so powerful about this story is when Jesus speaks, what Jesus says. He knocks Saul off his horse. Saul has a vision which he later describes in his letters and later describes to anyone who will listen. I saw Jesus. Well, what did Jesus say to you? Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And maybe that seems underwhelming to you, and that's okay. Maybe it's just like, you you like the fact that Christ just showed up and was like, what's your problem, Saul? But I like the fact that he shows up and he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my friends? Why are you harming people I love? Saul, you're on the wrong side. Get on the right side. He doesn't say any of these things. Jesus makes it personal. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment, we are transformed. Not by flashing lights and booming voices, not by miraculous events that can only be found in stories that occurred once upon a time in the good old days, but by the fact and the reality that when Jesus talks, Jesus places himself in complete and utter unity and solidarity with his people. There's a great story Jesus tells in the Gospels, a parable he tells where he talks about the end of days and all people are raised up and a bunch of people who say they're followers of his go up to him and he looks at them and he says, you know, you say you follow me, but I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. And I was poor, you didn't help me out. I was on the street and you left me there. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And all his followers go, wait a minute. When... Whenever, ever, would I have seen you and not, if you were hungry, not fed you? If you were thirsty, not given you something to drink? If you were, when were you naked and I didn't clothe you? I feel like I'd remember that one, Jesus. When did you, when were you without shelter and I housed you? When? And Jesus' response is simple. Whatever you've done to anybody else that you've seen, that's me. You've done that to me. What's powerful and transformative in what Jesus does today is he doesn't come down and say, Saul, I need you to be a better person and treat people nicer. He says, Saul, what you do to them is what you're doing to God. This is the moment of transformation. Are we safeguarding Things that we believe to be good and right, or are we looking for God's presence in everyone we meet? Last year, about this time, we had the—I know it was about this time because we had the Flying Pig Marathon, and uh, we had the last time we had the Flying Pig. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get here with my car, and I do live in walking distance. So I walked, um, and I was really grumpy about it. I was really irritated. And I know that the Flying Pig is a really special moment. I mean, when I was living somewhere in another state and learning about Cincinnati, it was listed as one of the things this city that is important about this city. Imagine that all these beautiful things we love about our city, and one of them was the Flying Pig Marathon. And if you've lived here for any period of time, you know that's true, how serious we all take the pig, how I have a friend who has done a marathon in every single state in the country. And she said, there is not one like the Flying Pig where for all 26 miles, people are outside and cheering and going wild and loving on them. It's a beautiful, powerful thing, but it happens on a Sunday, and it makes me getting to church more inconvenient, and I don't like it. We would have more people in the pews today if not for the flying pig, so I don't like it. I have to pretend I like it because I don't want to sound like a jerk, but the truth is I'm like, come on, man, put it on a Saturday and then they used to, and they changed the route. I used to be able to get here from there and now I can't. And all this stuff. So I'm walking and I'm walking by all of these people running and all of these people cheering and I'm I'm not quite frowning, right? But I'm not loving them. I'm just in my own head and I'm pretending it's because I'm preparing for my sermon and I'm thinking about work, but mostly it's because I have been threatened and inconvenienced, and I don't like the way I feel because things are different on a Sunday and I want it to look a specific way. I don't have a great story where Jesus knocked me down and blinded me and then said, get your act together, Duvall. That didn't happen. But this Sunday, this year, I'm out there And I'm watching those folks and I'm standing with some of you and we're ringing bells and we're cheering people on and I see the truth. It's not like, oh, this is a good thing or oh, what a wonderful day for our city, although those things are true. I'm literally seeing Christ run by me over and over and over again. Christ himself, wearing a little funny pig hat and a bib. And running along or speed walking right in front of me. That's Christ. And then I look around and I got a bunch of my friends here ringing bells and yelling happy things at people. And oh my gosh, I'm surrounded by Christ. Why haven't I seen it? Did I have eyes to see Christ all around me? And then you'll never believe what happened. I rang a bell and I was cheering. And guess what? For just a moment, guess who I got to be? Christ. I got to embody the truth of who God is in this world, just like you did and just like they are. And for a moment, all of what we think about, what's good, what's bad, all this stuff melted away and I was in the presence of holiness. God doesn't knock Saul off the horse in order to make him a better person. He doesn't do it to try to teach him a lesson. This isn't a fable. This is a story of transformation. Saul goes from seeing people as threats and obstacles to seeing people as the very embodiment of Christ in the world. I complain that there's no Jesus in the book of Acts when the whole point of the book of Acts is that Jesus is all throughout it. Every time someone is healed, Christ is present. Every time someone is forgiven and seen the truth of who God is, that is the truth and power and presence of Christ in their midst. And here we sit waiting for God to be more evident when God is all around us. Here we are, waiting and hoping for the good old days. But we get today, which is holy and beautiful because Christ is here.